Hello everyone and welcome to Africa Design Radio. My name is Chibweze Wuze, your host. Africa Design Radio is an audio journey that explores the world of design and how it is shaping the future of Africa. In each episode, we will explore ideas, histories and profiles of leading design professionals, creatives and thought leaders to understand how their work is creating an inclusive and sustainable society for Africa. Together, we can discover ideas on topics such as music, arts, architecture, fashion, product, graphic, and furniture design in an engaging and enjoyable manner. The show provides a collective platform that seeks to entertain and educate listeners on the fascinating ways design is impacting our lives daily. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Design Week Lagos to commemorate Nigeria at 60 through conversations with recognizable design practitioners that embody the country's unique artistic and cultural legacy. In this episode, I chat with Lani Adeoye, an award-winning sculptural lighting and product designer and design strategist, and is the founder of Studio Lani. In our conversation, we talk about the collective challenges of furniture and sculptural lighting practitioners in Nigeria, what inspires her designs, cultural representation, and nurturing creativity in young designers. So let's begin. Nice to have you, Lani. Thank you so much for having me, Honor. Thank you. Um, so just um, kind of introduce yourself, um, tell us who you are, tell us what you do, so that we can get to know you a bit. Sure. So like I said, my name is Lani Adelie. Um, I design sculptural lighting and furniture pieces. Um, I also work as a design consultant where I collaborate with different brands, you know, to basically work on products, basic experiences. Um, in terms of what I do with studio lighting, um, I really, really focus on using design as a mediation tool um, to basically infuse, you know, traditional craftsmanship and uh, you know, contemporary um contemporary perspective, basically. Um, also emerging arts, craft, and design, and essentially celebrating our culture and the design industry, um, both locally and globally. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Um, um, some, some, something that I'm really interested to know is, you know, what really sparked your interest in design? You know, and, you know, I read up on, on you a bit, and I found out that you switched careers from management consulting and IT strategy you know, to going back to study design and eventually founding Studio Learning. So what sparked that interest and how did you end up as um, a designer? Yeah. Um, I've always, always gravitated towards the creative field. I was always that student that took art class very seriously. Um, So when I actually decided to switch, it wasn't a surprise to family and people who knew me quite well. Um, but I would say that I actually did want, I wanted to study art. That was kind of always my sort of innate passion and so forth. Um, but I was encouraged to do something that was considered serious. And that's why I went the other, went that way and did, I studied strategy, information systems, and marketing. And then ended up working in management, consulting, IT strategy. Um, but I've always had a strong passion for Arts first, and then in in sort of do, instead of working in consulting, 
I actually started to observe design from a professional point of view. I started to see um, how design was uh, connected, how we respond. Let me take a step back, actually. Um, when I started working in consulting, it was a very interesting time. It was during that time when offices started to really, really pay attention to the interiors. So when I first started, the company was physically all gray. I was looking at Accenture. It was all gray, navy blue. Exactly, right? And then oh, yeah. you have the Google campus-style offices, and now yeah. the, the, the you know, quote-unquote very corporate companies are starting to think about how their spaces look. And so the company had sort of like a transformation within, like, I think the first year I was there, and that really got me thinking about design. And then also, I think just spatial design, we would work, the consulting work at different client spaces and seeing how different client spaces um, create a different environment and special design to just, you know, aesthetics, everything. I started to realize there's a huge connection between um, the psychology of, of how the space is designed and how we actually respond to it, where we subconsciously respond to design, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was something that really first caught my interest. Uh, from a professional standpoint. And then I started reading up more about it, started researching, started going to design shows. And that's how I sort of started going to design. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so when you speak about the response, you know, um, to design, I'm, I, I have a feeling that you're speaking about, you know, when um, staff come to the office and they see how interesting it is, you know, there's a possibility that they want to stay longer, exactly. work longer hours, put in more efforts. So, exactly. okay. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, it, it ties into the bottom line, <laughs> literally. Yeah, actually, actually it does. <laughs> so it looks, everything, quote, unquote, nice, it seems fluffy, but really at the end of the day, if you feel comfortable in a space and mm. it's sort of meeting whatever you need, want, whatever, you you just stay longer, you work longer. And so it was yeah. helping on his bottom line. I remember when I first started working at that company, everybody was so eager to go home if you had to meet somebody, you would tell them to meet yeah. you across the road. Then all of a sudden, people started bringing people over, you know, and it was like the office became like a second home. And so okay. that is exactly what you said. There is a strong connection between how we respond to design, how we respond to design, yeah. All right, great. Um, so um, what resources do you think were available to you um, that allowed you to kind of manage um, your career in management consulting? you know, while exploring your flair for design, you know, well, what do you think were the resources that were available to you that, that helped you during that, that phase of your life? Actually, so I actually, um, so I was in Toronto, Canada. I moved to New York to start a new chapter to go into design um, formally, right? Um, so it's hard to say what resources were available um, because I think that everywhere has its challenges um, cost of living is extremely high, you know, in a lot of the cities that I happen right. to live in. Um, I would say one thing that was helpful, but at the same time, I'm always hesitant to kind of, you know, to make suggestions because there's no template, right? There are people that mm -hmm. might have done the same thing or are doing the same thing, um, and it's just a different path, right? But I would say exhibitions really help me, you know, sort of applying for exhibitions, um, really sort of putting my, my myself on the chopping block and sort of yeah. seeing how the industry responded to it. Um, 
that helped me to navigate things um, and learn at, a, at, a, at an accelerated rate, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you founded um, Studio Lani, you know, um, I mean, that definitely has to be like, you know, the peak of your design career. How would you say your journey has been, you know, since you took it, you know, very seriously, it became like the main thing that you were doing. How has that journey been so far? Um, it, it's been up and down, I'm quite honest. Um, a lot I'm thankful for, but it also has a lot, there are a lot of challenges, right? Um, and it was something that when I started, I was still doing a full-time job and it just, it was very organic. You know, there wasn't this, okay. you know, um, it wasn't maybe how to do my business is traditionally. It was very organic. It was just, you know, I was working full time and I sort of um, started doing freelancing full time. So that gave me a bit more flexibility. And then gradually it was like, Studio was demanding more and more time. And I needed to sort of come back and freelancing and so forth. Um, but overall, I'm definitely very thankful. I'm always it's encouraging when you see positive feedback um, you know, from folks here and you know, people in other places. Um, those are some things I'm really, really um, excited and thankful for. Um, but like anything else, there are challenges and in different seasons, there are different challenges. Um, but we just keep pushing and yeah, keep going. Okay. All right, so let's let's talk about your designs for a moment now. Um, now, most of your designs are inspired by you know African culture, mm -hmm. most especially the Yoruba talking drum, uh, but with a contemporary twist. Now, I mean, how would you what, what what would you consider the genesis of your awareness of the beauty of our cultural heritage, you know, and when did it start to influence your designs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say that always seen the beauty in our culture. I've always sort of appreciated our culture. I've always been that, I was always that child that liked to, you know, go to the art and craft market and liked, you know, I've always seen value those things. Um, and that is part of what drove me into product design. So before I was into interior architecture, but the more and more I um, was just connecting with you know, our culture, I realized that um, for me, product design seemed like a, like a vehicle that could really um, hopefully add something to the conversation. And I think even more so than what I felt, I also realized that there were, that people did not appreciate our culture. Hmm. You get what I mean? So it yeah. was also realizing that, wow, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And we cannot just kind of, um, like we have to come to the right own narrative. Um, so that's part of the thing, the things that guided me um, to go to design. So um, speaking of, you know, people appreciating our culture, I mean, where do you think we went wrong with that? Because, I mean, there's so much beauty, you know, there's so much beauty. I mean, everywhere you look, it's in our prints, it's in our music. It's in the way we talk. I mean, where did we go wrong that, you know, we, we didn't see that, you know, this was a vehicle, you know, to, to, to drive our agenda. I mean, to create jobs, to celebrate our heritage. I mean, what do you think that, I mean, this whole disconnect, what do you think we got it wrong? That's, that's a heavy and very layered question. <laughs> I will do my very best okay. to try to answer it within my limited knowledge. 
Okay. Um, but I definitely believe that one of the main things is being honest and just calling a state a state slavery, you know, um, colonial sort of like, uh, just, just the way it sort of ripped many countries in Africa from really sort of, um, uh, it ripped us of our glory, really. And it sort of left us in this sort of mental enslavement where we mm. were told that we were inferior and most of the things that were written and documented about us were not from our perspective. So if you think about in school, what we're being told and taught, that's not actually us writing our history, mm. right? Mm. So if, if we, we were kind of, we were left fragmented, you know, unfortunately. And that really, it, it, it was destructive. It really forced, um, it forced us to look up to the West. Mm. Looking within. Yeah. And so when you're always trying to replicate something that is that's just not gonna that's not within your context, does not serve your context, is it's it's so far fetched. You're not it's it's just you know, it's just it's it's a huge disconnect. Um but on a more positive note, I think that various movements, um various um you know, historical, cultural, even if you think about now how different industries have evolved, if you look at music, if you look at fashion, there's a stronger sense of pride in our culture. And I think that um, that is sort of happening across the field. Um, design is a bit tricky because, you know, unfortunately design, it seems to be one of those fields that's not really relevant to the masses, right? Mm. So music, you can be living anywhere and kind of just jam to Bonaboy or whatever, anything yeah. you like, right? And we're all kind of experiencing the same vibes of music. Um, with fashion, I always say you don't need to be able to afford a fashion designer's outfit. But you can probably name somebody that you aspire to one day own a piece of yeah. yeah. You don't need to necessarily have the money, but you can aspire. So fashion design is still in some ways connected to the masses. But with furniture design, most people have... You know, and I, I was also in that position before I got into the industry. I was clueless. I couldn't name one furniture designer or even one furniture company. You know, so it's unfortunate. Design seems to be this kind of little bubble. Do you get what I'm saying? And yeah. Um, yeah. so it's a combination of educating people, sort of finding ways for us to make it more accessible. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah. that's what I was saying yeah. on a more positive note. Um, I think if you look at the way that we, especially our generation, is really sort of um, taking pride in our identity and expressing that in music, fashion, I think design, people are also trying that. Um, so I think that we are redefining the narrative. And I hope, I, I believe there's going to be a shift in the mentality for us and others. I mean, I, I share your, I, I share your optimism, and and I, I really hope that you know, just like you said, that you know things will start to get better. Um, let's let's talk a bit about you know the, the challenges. You know, I mean, we spoke about this you know before the interview, and we spoke about you know shared challenges that you know furniture design um, practitioners face in Nigeria. Um, I would like to know your own your own experience. You know, what what has your own experience been? You know, and how have these challenges impacted your work? Um, yeah, so in terms of challenges, 
I would say, you know, the obvious infrastructure issues. Um, and even sometimes people are not aware that we don't have, for the most part, so I don't have access to proper indoor facilities to actually get stuff done. One of the blessings we have here is that we don't have, um, I guess, winter. <laughs> so, depending no, on how I, you, I didn't hear you. I said we, we're a tropical country, oh, right? So okay, we, we okay. Outdoors, you know, throughout the year, basically, right? So if we were, yeah. if we were a country where there was winter, we would have to think very seasonal, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. a lot of countries to make sure they have appropriate um, and well-equipped indoor facilities so that when yeah. they cannot be outside, things can still function. You can still function, yeah, true. So because we don't have that and we're able to work outside you know, throughout the year, it's... Um, I guess we kind of, you know, we were able to do that. But unfortunately, the reality is we don't have winter. We have rainy season. And even mm. when it's not rainy season, it still rains, right? So for yeah. us, one of the challenges is when it comes to painting is it's, it's when it's raining, it's very difficult for us to paint, you know? Okay. And understandably, a lot of the painters, you know, don't want to even show up because and, you know, it's just very difficult to paint once it's raining and the sun is not out. But if we had proper indoor facilities, they were not left at the mercy of whatever the weather, you know, conditions. Are. And it's the mm -hmm. things that are sometimes like difficult at times. times. You know, there are a lot of things out of your control, and so so stuff like that. I think also um, material scarcity. Um, I also work with leather. What kind of materials? Can you can you be a little bit specific? Yeah, uh, yeah. So leather, for example, I work with leather. Okay. Okay. And. Um, now, because we make furniture, we need larger samples, right? And we don't, we're not making necessarily anything grand in terms of size, but, we're, but we still need substantial, you know, quantity. So if we go mm. to motion markets, you know, we spend like so many hours there trying to find the color, the, the, the amount, everything. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, mm. Now, mind you, up north, there are, you know, manufacturers that are selling international standard um, in terms of quality, Nigerian leather. They control, okay. they control the whole supply chain. They are supplying Louis Vuitton, Ralph Lauren, and other designers. But we, but we don't have access to that because we can't afford to buy it in dollars. Oh, I see. They're, they, they, they're selling it here. Um, but it's like, not to say that it necessarily always towards in dollars. But what I'm saying is, like, from a business point of view, I get where they're coming from. They're selling wholesale to international companies. So I'm like a little cockroach to them <laughs> as an independent company. Okay. This is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is, right? So okay. they don't have my time, right? So mm -hmm. the, the local mushroom market that's selling leftover scraps from the import, um, from the, the market, um, you know, in, the leftover um, scraps in terms of, like, smaller pieces doesn't serve our needs. But in the one that has greater access, we're, we're not even within their, their, they're not, they're, they're just, we're not, um, it's not, you're missing. not you're, you are not actually the perfect clients for them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I get you. Remind you, they have great international quality stand, um, letters. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, and, um, so this is one of the challenges of trying to, when you're sort of an, I guess, SME. Mm. You know, and in terms of 
material. Um, I think other things like a lot of stuff I do is handmade, but at the same time, you still need um, machines and so forth to help. Um, so again, the right access to tools, even workshop space. I think another thing that's important is R&D, research and development. Um, yeah. In some places, this is like a whole entire thing. People are actually funding people full-time jobs to go and do R&D. It's yeah. great to get some support in that regard for us to really explore the potential of what is possible locally. I think we have, yeah. I feel like we're going to scratch the surface. There's so many possibilities, but it really, really takes like different entities collaborating together, you know, as opposed to like the, the, the designer is literally one part. The okay. manufacturers, there are people at different left, at different um, areas um, of production stream. Um, and if we can all work together, uh, then we can create synergistic relationships and actually have good impact and good results. I think another thing, sometimes training staff, that's something that we do with our company across the board. Um, so those are the challenges that I find not just myself, other designers also face. Um, and it's sometimes hard to manage these things that come out of one's control. Okay. Um, I think I agree with you when it comes to research and development. I mean, it's some, something that I've, I've discussed at length with a few friends. Um, and, you know, you don't really know how good things can get unless you really explore, you know. Yeah. And unless you explore all, you know, all the verticals of that industry. Exactly. You know, and, you know, you know, just know every part of the value chain and how you yeah. can improve every exactly. part of that value chain. That is the only time that the industry as a whole you know, we'll start to, uh, to start to grow, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, from everything that you've mentioned, you know, well, you know, what do you think that can be done, you know, to improve, um, you know, for instance, just like you said, leather, the availability of leather, what do you think can be done to improve something like that? Yeah, I think, don't get me wrong, I think a lot of people are doing great work. I think the, the leather fair is an example of like, you know, I think it's amazing what they're doing. So they're definitely doing good work and kudos to everyone that's working really hard to elevate the industry. Um, I think, I, I don't know, maybe, 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 maybe it's people getting together. Um, it, it, it's a tough one to answer, but what I would say is for RMD, I think funding will be important for that because it does take time to do that, yeah. right? And there are certain projects that I've, you know, gone into, like, for, you know, for example, I have this talking stools collection and it took it took some time for us to, like, get it out there because we're prototyping and testing stuff, right? And there are other things that I want to, um, that I'm interested in, curious about, but um, sometimes we don't have that um, luxury of time because it's a business, right? So yeah. if there certain structures put in place. It doesn't even have to be me necessarily doing it, but I'm just saying in general. But there are certain structures um, that were put in place in the ecosystem to encourage research and development that funded it and allowed people to carve out time and actually be compensated for their time. Then we can actually have like, um, like real exploration that actually has results, you know? Um, okay. And when it comes to designers, um, um, a lot of designers, I think, we've all kind of fallen into the sort of manufacturers. 
And sometimes that's good, uh, but sometimes it's not always necessarily the most optimal approach. Sometimes it's collaborating with manufacturers because they're okay. manufacturers that have been doing this here longer than us, you know? Yeah, um, true. And sometimes in other parts of the world, it's more of a collaboration. This designer has this, you know, sort of identity or visual DNA and they're able to sort of, you know, push things in a certain way. Um, and this manufacturer is this family company that has been doing this for, you know, decades. Um, but they want new fresh ideas. How can we come together? How can we use our capacity to sort of, in, how can we leverage our capacity and how can we infuse the sort of new fresh ideas um, to create like actual sustainable design and products that are timeless and can actually serve a global marketplace, you know? Mm. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you know, you can't really mention R&D and not speak about the quality of, you know, our educational system, you know, because um, research and education are almost the same thing. And, you know, we need to really speak about how, you know, how far behind, I mean, seemingly that our educational system is in terms of um, when you compare with, you know, our peers, you know, in possibly other other countries or other markets. Okay. What do you think, you know, what do you think that can be done? How can we improve that space? You know, how can we improve the quality of um, graduates that we're churning out of our universities? You know, how can we improve the study of design? I mean, um, something like structural lighting it's really a foreign concept for many design students in nigeria as you can imagine because there are not a lot of you know um, sculptural lighting professionals out there you know mm -hmm. so how do you think we can expand that space how do you think we can broaden that knowledge bank you know so that we can have more young people aspiring to do you know um diverse styles of design that could of course impact the industry as a well. whole yeah i think that's a good question um, I'm going to attempt to answer that. I think real world sort of connecting school to real world experiences, you know? So not yeah. always being stuck in the theoretical world. Um, if, there is, if there are more and more ways for people, being a student is the best time to make mistakes. <laughs> Let's be real. You know, mm. like, that's the best time to really explore, you know? Yeah. Um, so creating more opportunities for students to test out things before they actually get out there, to develop stronger portfolios, not just for the sake of having a portfolio, but for really like taking risks. Because when you're young and you know you have less, um, what's the word, uh, less responsibilities, that's a, that's the best yeah. time to take this risk. Um, when less pressure to yeah. um, have a certain financial stability, that's the best mm. time for this risk. Um, you know, for myself, when I, some of the earlier things that I designed, um, I, I, I was working full time, um, but I was able to explore a bit more than now that it's a business. Where okay. I actually have to sales. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When the pressure comes on, it's on, you know? And not it's to say, on, I still yeah. explore, don't get me wrong, but I have to be more strategic. Oh, about definitely. what I'm doing, right? So when you're a student, when there's less pressure, really maximize that season in your life to explore big mm. mistakes and really dream. And I say, and it's not fluffy, 
if you really want to push the boundaries, you have to really let your mind wander and then really back in and actually be practical, right? Um, yeah. And so maybe if there are ways for universities and schools to connect more to maybe architecture companies or designers or exhibitions, which are actually some Design with Legos has stuff with students. You know, so that's a great example. Mm. Or exposure, right? So that, that's a great example of like, I think fostering more real world experiences. Because when people see the impact in the real world, it really sort of, um, it drives you more as opposed to just this picture thing that we're discussing in class. In class, I get you, I get you. Yeah. So is uh, is uh, Studio Lani doing anything in that space, you know, trying to, you know, mentor or groom younger professionals who are interested in, you know, what Studio Lani is known for? Yeah. Yeah, I've had people, it's so interesting. I've had people reach out to me. I've met people at exhibitions um, that I've stayed in contact with. Um, and okay. we, we talk often. Um, and I used to pour into them as I can. Um, and I'm always telling them, like, I'm more than happy to see. And I've seen some of their work and did feedback. Mm. I actually enjoy it because, I mean, I put myself in their situation. And for me, it's like, I know how eager I was to get feedback from other people when I was sort of, and I'm still trying to find my way. I'm definitely not as, you know, it's still a learning process. Yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. For me, I'm, um, I enjoy giving feedback and supporting how I can and as time permits. And so there are a few people that I've stayed, um, that I literally met at exhibition and we okay. get in contact because for me, it's exciting to see um, people take interest and are curious about it, and I also care about their growth, and I want to see how things can evolve, you know, for them. So, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Um, so we are almost at the end of today's session. Um, I just have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, you know, what what I mean, um, what word of encouragement can you give to an ex an aspiring furniture designer? you know, um, listening to this broadcast, you know, what do you have, what message do you have for them? Yeah, I would say um, know your why. So figure out why you want it, why you're doing it. Um, sometimes the creative world, people might think, you know, they see, they go to an exhibition, and that's really just 20% of what it is. You know, the remaining 75, so people might think it's, glamorous sometimes, you know, they just go to the exhibition and they see the end results, the products and stuff, the tangible stuff. Um, but the remaining 75, 85 percent is, is, is a lot of rigorous work. Um, mm. So really mm. take the time to understand the field, understand the industry one. I would also say um, think like an artist. Allow yourself to really explore and discover. I think a lot of people now, for whatever reason, there's this I mean, we're all guilty of it. There's this pressure we put on ourselves, inside we put on ourselves to get everything done and figured out today and tomorrow, right? Um, Quick, but, sharp, sharp. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone wants to do it, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. You, in order to really um, push yourself creatively, you need to kind of alleviate some of that pressure to allow your mm. mind to be free. And you have mm. to understand, one of the best things someone told me one time is, if you know where you're going before you start. Creatively, you've already failed. Mm. 
because you're, you're eliminating any room for learning, growth, surprise, inspiration, discovery. Inspiration. And those are all important elements that are going to help you carve out your own unique path. Yeah, you know? True. Um, true. So I would think like an artist, but act like an engineer. So when I say act like an engineer, be very, give yourself, yeah, have the artistic vision thing, but give yourself very practical short term goals. You know, mm-hmm. and give yourself very, um, as much as I'm very, you know, artistic, I guess, in nature, I'm extremely, or I think I'm extremely organized and structured. You know, I have an Excel sheet that literally dictates how my weeks are going to go, <laughs> you know? So you have to, yeah, no, really. <laughs> you have, you have to create yeah, structure yeah. in place to actually you to. yourself yes. to um, mm. the things that you need to do. Um, okay. Yeah, so find that balance between acting like, thinking like an artist, um, but acting like an engineer. Acting like an engineer. All right, thank you. That was that was that was beautifully said, and um, I think that brings us to the end of today's session. If you want to hear more interesting episodes of Africa Design Radio, head now to our page on all platforms where you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts, and while you're there, please do give us a review. You can also write to us at africadesignradio at gmail.com or follow us on social media at africa underscore design underscore radio. I'm Chibweze and you've been listening to Africa Design Radio.